facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome to the show on this Thursday. We're going to really focus in on the Eucharist today. It's a Eucharistic Thursday. It's The Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149. The toll-free line to talk to me for free. 888-914-9149. Of course, you can also email the show. So good to hear from you. The address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. Send me your questions, your comments, show ideas. Love to hear from you guys. And speaking of messages that were sent to me, before I introduce today's guest, I have to share this with you. This is just absolutely fabulous. Of course, as you know, Eucharistic Revival is what we're really focused on right now at Relevant Radio, of course, with the National Eucharistic Congress coming up next year in July in Indianapolis. And my friend Pat, who's involved in his parish with trying to get some Eucharistic Revival going at the local level, he texted me not too long ago, and he said, you know, many parish point people like me for the Eucharistic Revival were very frustrated because they're not seeing anything coming from their local diocese and local priests don't seem to be talking about Eucharistic Revival on Sundays. And Pat said, I was thinking relevant radio could drive this movement. And then today I opened up the relevant radio app and boom. And what he saw was, of course, Father Rocky's Eucharistic Encounters video series. And Pat said, sometimes I think Father Rocky has magical powers. And I would agree with you, Pat. And joining me right now is the CEO of Relevant Radio and the host of the Family Rosary Across America, Father Rocky Hoffman. Father, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Hey, great to be with you, Kale. I don't know if I've got magical powers, but I've got a couple of awesome guardian angels to kind of link things together, <laughs> and the time is right. Plus, we have an outstanding staff here at Relevant Radio who's very nimble, clever, and dedicated, and they can help us get messages out there. And so the church finds itself here in the United States of America today, the year 2023, mm. in the midst of a Eucharistic revival, a call from the bishops to revive our faith in the Holy Eucharist, because they're very concerned with opinion polls that suggest that a lot, a lot of Catholics who identify as Catholics do not actually believe in the real presence of Jesus mm. Christ in the Holy Eucharist. So this is uh, something of great concern. So our belief in the Catholic Church is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, through whom, whom all things have been created, is truly present under the appearances of bread, under the appearances of blood, in the Holy Eucharist. And he goes farther. He uses seven words to describe this presence, that his body, blood, soul, and divinity is really, truly, and substantially present. Mm. Under the appearance of bread, under the appearance of wine. And this is hard to get you wrap your mind around, because when you're looking at what looks like a little piece of bread, that's actually the real presence of the creator of the universe. Yeah. And it's hard to get your head around the universe, you know, the size of the mountains, <laughs> the depths of the ocean, you know, the infinitude of, you know, outer space and 14 mm. billion light years. And it, it's hard to do that. But this is what we truly believe. And I think this revival of real belief in the real presence of Christ and the Holy Eucharist is also very much linked to the practice of the sacrament of confession, because mm. we need God's grace to believe. And so confession of our sins, especially the mortal sins, especially the hidden mortal sins of the flesh, can open up our mind and our heart to accept this grace to really and believe in our Lord's real presence. So faith, you know, that's a gift. Faith is to mm. believe what God has 
revealed, not because we understand it, but because he's revealed it. So it's trust in God. That itself is a gift. But I always like to remind people, even though it's a gift, it's like a muscle. The more you use it, Mm -hmm. the stronger it gets. So every time you make a genuflection in the presence of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, your faith increases. Every time you make a sign of cross in the presence of Jesus in the tabernacle, your faith increases. Every time you drive by a big church on a big um, interstate in a big city in the United States and you see that Catholic church, and in your heart you you make a, 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 let's say, a spiritual communion, then your faith increases. So this revival is about kind of, you know, building back those muscles of the faith, the genuflections, the sign of the cross, the visits, and all that. So that's what we're trying to do at Relevant Radio. Father, I, I really love this. My guest is Father Rocky Hoffman, CEO of Relevant Radio, host of the Family Rosary Across America. Hey, here's another muscle that we have to work. We've got to click on the Relevant Radio app on our smartphones. We've got to go to our, the Relevant Radio website, use our mouse maybe, and we've got to click on these videos. We've got to get that muscle working as well because there's some incredible stories that you tell in your Eucharistic Encounter videos. And we got a little clip from your most recent one. Here it is. Let's check it out. This is a story I heard from the founder of Opus Dei, St. Josemaria. When he was a young priest in the 1930s, he would hear confessions at a church in Madrid from 7 to 8 in the morning. And after a couple of weeks, he'd hear the doors open around 7.30, all this clanging and banging of metal, and then it went silent. And then the clanging and banging of metal and the door opening and closing, that was it. And he got curious. He said, well, one day I'm just going to sneak out of the confessional. I'm going to hide over there behind the column and watch what's going on. So the next day at 7.30, the doors open, the sunlight comes in, and the clanging and banging of metal. It's a milkman with milk pails and cans. And then he put the cans down, he knelt down, he looked at Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, he lowered his head, and he said to Jesus in Spanish, Muy buenos dias, Señor. Sir Juan Lachero. Que tenga buen día, which means, good morning, Jesus. It's John the milkman, just stopping by to wish you a good day. And then he would pick up his milk pails and he'd open the door and go on his way. And St. Josemaria said to himself, I wish I had his faith and devotion. I, I just love these stories that you tell, Father. And you can access them as well, by the way, if you're listening. Just go to relevantradio.com slash encounter. And that's from Father's latest video called The Mysterious Metal Sound. And Father, you were talking to all of us at Relevant Radio a couple days ago, and you were kind of giving us a bit of a director's cut, if you will. There's so many stories, and, and you can't fit them all into these videos, but there's always a backstory to these two, isn't there? Yeah, and you know what I really like about that story, listening to it right now? So that's just a little bit of it. You teased it out very nicely. And really, credit to our film crew and our video crew and our audio crew, because I said, look, I got lots of stories I could talk all day. <laughs> I'm just going to start talking. You film it, and then you do what you want to it. So I do about 10% of the work, but they do about 90% of the work to make mm. it really attractive. But in that video, I said, you know, I really, I really admired that in this great saint, St. Josemaria, that he could admire the simple faith of that milkman. And, and it's something I admire about the kids who call in the family Rosie Cross America. I said, I wish mm. I had their yeah. simplicity, their faith, the, the beauty, the purity. And I know this has resonated with a lot of people because they said, well, oh, you know what? I might not be able to get to Mass every day, but I could stop by the church for a minute and say, hey, Jesus, it's me, the teacher, uh, the milkman, mm. the bus driver, the truck driver, the factory worker, the caddy, um, the banker, the accountant, the mother, the baseball player, you name it. And I <laughs> uh, just want to say hello to you, and I hope you have a good day. Just a little bit like that. And it's amazing what that little gesture will do 
for your faith and your mood and your attitude throughout the, uh, the day. So we've already recorded about 28 of these. They want me to do, wow. I don't know, 36 or 38. Um, and we've released three. So far, we released one a week. And when we release them, if you've ever made a donation to Royal Radio, you'll get an email to your email box that day and mm-hmm. just click on it. Or you can go to our website, RoyalRadio.com, or you can go to our app, uh, the free app, and click on it there. Or you can go to our YouTube channel or our Facebook channel, and then we'll also show them at the end of the night on uh, the Family Roads Across America and the Mass. Yeah. And then we're also pushing out through some sophisticated, um, I would call it digital marketing, through mm-hmm. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and all that. We want to get... 70 million impressions of these videos over the next couple of months and hopefully 10 to 15 million views of these videos. And, you know, the hope is that it'll inspire someone to have a little more connection with mm-hmm. Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. Well, Father, let me, let me ask you this. What would you say was your first real Eucharistic encounter? I mean, it could be your first communion. I mean, you probably remember that very well, but, but was there a time in your life when, you, when it really hit you like, wow, this is Jesus? Yeah, um, not sure if I've been asked that question before. I mean, I grew up in a pretty solidly Catholic family, went to mm. Mass every Sunday. Uh, I remember as a kid, I liked to be in church all by myself because that, well, I felt I could sort of hog God for myself and kind of get annoyed <laughs> when other people walked in. Like, what are you doing here? Right? This is my time. Like, get out of here, right? So I liked being in a big church all by myself and looking at the crucifix. And the tabernacle. I do remember my first communion, but not much of it. I think it was October, and then we went out for breakfast, and we got pancakes and sausage. I nice. should remember more than that, but <laughs> yeah. what I remember was the meal, the pancake and sausage. I also remember as a kid going to a um, chapel of perpetual adoration. And we've made a video about this. It's called Marytown now. It's on the border of Mundelein and Libertyville, two small towns yeah. north of Chicago, right next to Beautiful. Uh, the seminary of the archdiocese. And um, I say this is the most beautiful chapel of perpetual adoration I've ever seen in my life. I remember my folks would say, you know, like on Christmas or on Easter, who wants to go to the Benedict Convent and make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament? And it wasn't mandatory, but I always kind of liked to go. I also knew we'd be stopping by Dairy Dream on the way back and <laughs> three banana split. So that was always factored into it. But, you know, you, I had the sense of, you know, you could smell the incense and the place was made out of marble and... Yeah. Uh, the tabernacle was exquisite and so was the monsters. I didn't know growing up as a kid how special this place was. I've traveled the world, I've made this into a video, and it really is, I think, the most beautiful um, chapel of adoration I've seen anywhere in the world. If you're in the Chicago area, you can go visit Mm -hmm. it. And If you visit the Blessed Sacrament, you spend a half hour in the the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, you can get a half hour. I do remember, though, um, in my late teens... Or early 20s, um, having uh, a greater connection to the Holy Eucharist simply because, and I'm not going to go into the details, and it mm-hmm. wasn't anything miraculous. Just I noticed the more time you spent uh, in adoration, um, the more it grew on you. All right, that that huh. much I remember. And I also remember seeing a video, a movie about Opus Day. Oh, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, and there's this young lady in it talking about when her mother died and the pain she was going through and all mm. that. And she stopped going to mass and she, and then she, she makes this great comment. says, Oh, that's what it's like when you starve your soul. You wow. can starve your soul, right? Just like you starve your body. And I say, wow, what an insight this young woman has on this film. You know, just, uh, she described what was like 
going on in the mental state and spiritual state of her mind and heart and body. Like, I'm starving my soul and I'm miserable. And you can starve your soul, folks. And um, the answer to it is feed your soul. Feed your soul with grace. Mm-hmm. Feed your soul with a great confession where you get it all out there. And you feel God's mercy, right? And you really feel that grace. Feed your soul by spending time uh, in adoration. Feed your soul by making Mass on Sunday special. Arrive early. Stay a little bit later. Dress up a little bit better than, than average. Okay, um, Cal, there's a time and a place for casual. I get mm-hmm. it. All right, I've celebrated Mass in bare feet with just a swimming suit on and alb over it because I'm on the beach two hours south of Acapulco and it's 110 <laughs> degrees, <Wow. all> right? <laughs> I get that, but there's also time for formal and for refinement and for elegance and for um, showing that you take something uh, seriously and important. That's really important, and, and I would deal with the whole Eucharist. That's all part of the Eucharistic revival. Absolutely. You're listening to the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio. My guest is Father Rocky Hoffman. We're talking about his beautiful new series of Eucharistic Encounters videos Getting us set. I love the fact that you mentioned the Colbe Shrine. I've been there a couple of times. I've even driven past the, the Dairy Dream. And uh, I tell you, the Eucharist seems like a dream. It seems too good to be true, but, but, it, but it, it, is, it is a reality. And in, in visiting the Shrine myself, I noticed that there was a National Eucharistic Congress in Chicago in the early part of the 20th century. Now we're getting ready for another one coming to the Midwest, of course, in July of next year. Talk to us about that, Father. Sure. So there's some of these iconic photos, black and white, 1926, the National Eucharistic Congress, mm. which held in Mundelein. It was sponsored by Cardinal Mundelein at the time, who was the Archbishop Cardinal of Chicago. And the closing mass was at uh, Soldier Field, downtown Chicago, filled overflowing. Those were different times. Those are great times. That was an immigrant church. There was, I would mm. say, greater faith. And there was also a certain part of being Catholic, which was uh, tied to your own identity um, as an immigrant. You know, um, and, and yeah. a lot of that has lost now. Um, but, you know, the, the, the biggest challenge here, I think we find in our faith, our Catholic Church in the United States, is we got a lot of money in our country. You know, mm. we have a pretty soft and convenient life. And Jesus said very clearly, you can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and mammon. So why is a church, like, really, um, you know, full of life in Africa, they don't have a whole lot of money. Mm, (laughs) There's there's often a clear correlation. So let's say you got a lot of money, you got a lot of resources, you really have to be careful about that not suffocating your soul. You really have to be careful Mm -hmm. because it can be very seductive, right? And without our realizing it, we can drift into idolatry. And we think, come on, I don't have any fake statues in my closet. (laughs) <laughs> I can't give an idolatry. I remember they were filming uh, the Ten Commandments, Cecil B. DeMille's back in the 50s. Mm, in the uh, 50s. I don't remember that, but I heard the story, and they asked Cecil B. DeMille's, you know, so what was the biggest challenge for the Israelites? What was the hardest commandment for them? I said, the first one. They're always <laughs> slipping back into idolatry. And as they get out into the desert and things are bleak, bleak, they want to go back to Egypt, and so they melt down their jewelry and gold and make this false god, and they worship. So we can slip into that. Um, that that heresy of idolatry by worshiping money, worshiping comfort, worshiping mm-hmm. success, and it kind of suffocates the soul, right? So um, there's a whole set of, I don't know, um, behavior that we need if we're going to encounter the Eucharistic Lord because he's poor. We have to, you know, we've got to be poor in some way. Even if, you know, we're rolling in dough, we have to yeah. somehow to be poor. Otherwise, 
we're not going to have um, breath or hunger mm-hmm. from the Holy Eucharist. Yeah, that spirit of poverty is definitely what we need. Even if God's blessed us with, with resources, we've got to put them at his disposal and be so thankful for them. But at the same time, keep the main thing the main thing. You're talking with Father Rocky and me, Kale Clark, on the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. And Father, just a couple more questions because I, I know you got to go. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, speaking of the Eucharist, obviously the Eucharist is at the heart of the Mass. There's going to be a very, very special Mass taking place, and you're going to be involved with it on Monday in Wisconsin. Can you oh, tell yeah. our listeners about this? Right. So um, this Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help has been renamed the Shrine of Our Lady of Champion because that's the name of the place. And Bishop Rickon of Green Bay had it approved back in 2010. And recently, I don't know if it was the Vatican or the USCC, but they approved his petition to, de- to designate October 9th as a solemn feast day at the shrine. Or it's not a solemn yeah. feast day around the world, but at the shrine it is. Local solemnity, if you will. Local solemnity. So we're going to be there for the Mass. We're going to broadcast the Mass. So Drew and I are going to do the rosary that evening. And I think it's part of the mission God has called us to, which is spread the word about that shrine. It's very easy to do. And um, we're not looking to make any money off it. We just want to let people know about this. Hey, Absolutely. And then every year in May, do the Walk to Mary. If you need a house, if you want a spouse, <laughs> if you want a baby, don't say maybe. Come to the Walk to Mary because we know about these miracles, right? So uh, whatever right. it is. So looking forward to being there. And I think, you know, the message of Our Lady there just resonates with the task of Our Lady. Gather the children in this wild frontier area. Teach them what they need to know for their salvation. Teach them how to make the sign of the cross. Teach them how to approach the sacraments fruitfully. Go mm-hmm. to confession, make a general confession, receive the Holy Eucharist, and I will help you. You know That's that's the message. So we spread that message here at Relevant Radio. That's a great message, and it, and it really is miraculous what is going to take place. Of course, the miracle of the Eucharist, and also commemorating the, the great miracles that took place with Our Lady at Campion and uh, Champion, rather. I want to say Campion, Edmund Campion. That's another saint for another day. Well, he's day, on but... the other side of the state, yeah. Prairie du Chien. He used <laughs> to right. Jesuit yeah. boys' school there, Campion. Campion oh, I, Hall at Prairie I du love Chien. it. I love it. Well, listen, Father, a uh, couple, couple favors to ask. Number one, uh, take it easy on me, please, in the relevant radio fantasy football league. You've got a pretty uh, dominant team that you put together. And, and second, <laughs> I'm going to ask if you can put, can you put your magical powers to the test? Can you somehow fix the Chicago Bears before the game tonight against Washington? What can you do about that? You know, um, we know the, the owner of the Bears, Virginia McCaskey, lovely woman, and mm. loves our lady and lord. And she says, in your prayers, remember the Bears. So <laughs> we it. remember the I Bears, and um, what a great game, American football, and um, Monday night. But um, there's even something even better tonight on at 7 o'clock, and that's the family. Rosie across yeah. America at 7 p.m. on you your local Relevate station and Relevate Radio app. Yeah, before you watch the game, definitely pray beforehand and pray for the Bears while you're at it. And, and mm-hmm. speaking of football, speaking of stadiums, speaking of Super Bowls, hey, the Super Bowl of the church is going to happen in Lucas Oil Stadium, the home of the Indianapolis Colts, next July. Don't forget, you can find out how you can get there. We've got great travel packages set up for you. Go to relevantradio.com slash encounter. You'll catch all of Father's latest videos. Please sign up for the emails if you haven't already. Father Rocky, it's great to run you down. Thank you so much for taking the Thanks time. Thanks so much, Kale, and God bless everyone, and, and watch those videos and share them with your friends. All right, we will. We will, absolutely. That was Father Rocky Hoffman, if you need him. And we do need him because he's got such great insights on the Eucharist. Hey, I'll be right back on the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149.
The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome back to the show. This is Kale Clark. So glad that I'm with you today. You can call me right now on the phone, 888 That's such a funny line, pushing 40 in the friend zone. I love that. 888-914-9149. That's the number to call toll-free to talk to me. We can kind of let our hair down a little bit now that the, the boss is not here. Father Rocky joined me earlier in the program. What a great conversation about Eucharistic Revival and his Eucharistic Encounters video set. That series you do not want to miss. And again, you can sign up for it at relevantradio.com slash encounter. And also find out about ways that you can get to Indianapolis with us for what promises to be the best event that you're ever going to go to, you know, maybe in, in your lifetime in terms of the church, the National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis next July. So relevantradio.com slash encounter. You know what today is also? Today is the feast day, the optional memorial of Sister Faustina Kowalska, St. Faustina, the Apostle of Divine Mercy. And one of the great things that we've done here at Relevant Radio this past week is that the Divine Mercy Chaplet is now live and in full effect in video form every day. 3 p.m. Central. Really, really cool. I'm so happy that they're doing that. So happy that more and more people are praying the chaplet. They're praying the rosary with Father uh, later in the evening, 7 p.m. Central. Definitely don't miss that either. But I, I do want to tell you guys, I told you guys this story, I think, a couple of years ago about how really uh, Sister Faustina got me fired from a job once. Um, I was speaking, doing some Catholic speaking, and I spoke at a a Catholic all-boys high school, and they asked me to be their retreat speaker. And you know, I said, sure, yeah, it was great. So I was talking to all these high school guys, and we were having an interesting conversation. And we were kind of away in a, for the whole day in this kind of nice setting. It was a retreat center out in the woods, and we were talking about all kinds of different things. We were talking about the exorcisms of Jesus. The The, the students just love that stuff. I mean, they, they absolutely love talking about things like that. It just captures people's imagination. So we talked about that. We were talking about the theology of the body. And of course, you know, the guys had a lot of questions about mortal sin and is this a sin and how far is too far on a date, all those sorts of questions that teenage boys always ask. And so we were talking about this idea of mortal sin. We talked about, hey, the reality of hell. And, and people very often, you know, over the last few decades, they've tried to gloss it over, um, especially in the 1970s, talk about that kind of fell out of favor. In the years after Vatican II, grave misunderstandings of the council. And one of the things I, I shared with them, now, this is a private revelation, okay? Now, she's a saint, she's a canonized saint, but she did have a private revelation about hell. She was kind of taken on a tour of hell, and also of heaven as well. And you can read about all this in her writings. Uh, you can read her diary. In, there's a great website um, about Divine Mercy, St. Faustine. It's just DivineMercySunday.com. You can check it out. There's a lot of great material there. I want to read to you from her diary, from St. Faustina's diary, about her vision of hell, because it, it's really sobering, it's really instructive, and we don't want to go there, right? So the, we, we should probably heed what she's saying. Again, you can say, I don't buy this, Kale, it's a private revelation, I only have to believe in public revelation, what revelation has been given through the church, Um and that's true. You can you could say that. You you don't have to buy this. You can still say, all right, I believe she was a saint, but I don't buy her private revelations. You could do that and still be a faithful Catholic. However, considering she is a canonized saint and, and what Jesus did with her life, especially with promoting mercy, 
it's important to know that you know what God's mercy saves us from. Anyway, so here's her her vision of hell. And uh, if you have little ones listening, and you think it might be a little bit too intense, it is. It is a very intense, very intense journey that she had. So, just use your discretion. You might want to turn down the volume if you're um, with those who might be troubled by this. But this is what Sister Faustina said. She said, "I, Sister Faustina Kowalska, by the order of God, have visited the abysses of hell, so that I might tell souls about it and testify to its existence." The devils were full of hatred for me, but they had to obey me at the command of God. What I have written is but a pale shadow of the things I saw. In other words, it was even worse. But, I, but she says, I noticed one thing, that most of the souls there are those who disbelieved that there is a hell. End of quote. So that's from her diary, number 741. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888 Nine one four nine is the number to call. So th- this is very interesting because uh, one of my favorite lines from a movie ever was from the movie The Usual Suspects, where a character says, "The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he doesn't exist." And that's what Sister Faustina says. In essence, she says, "I noticed one thing when she kind of got her guided tour of hell." She said, "Most of the souls there are those who disbelieved that there really was a hell." In, in life, they just didn't buy into it. Well, guess what? The devil's got you right where he wants you in that case. So, all right, and let's get into the, the nitty-gritty uh, of her visions here. And, and again, it's the harrowing nature of these visions reminds me an awful lot about the children of Fatima when Our Lady, again, there's another private revelation, but uh, she basically let them take a peek into hell. And the, and the children said they would have died from the sight. They would have died from the fright right on the spot, except for one thing that Our Lady told them that they were not going to go there, that they would be saved, that they would be saved. Now, she said, Francisco needs to praise Rosary a little bit more, but you, you will be saved. So, okay, that, that's a relief, but we need to warn people about this. We need to pray that souls don't fall into this abyss. Well, here's what Sister uh, Faustina said again from her diary. She says, quote, Today I was led by an angel to the chasms of hell. It is a place of great torture. How awesomely large and extensive it is. The kinds of tortures I saw, the first torture that constitutes hell is the loss of God. Now, this is interesting because I remember Peter Crave, a friend of the program, uh, writing about this. He said, imagine if somebody offered you a deal where you, you could have all the money in the world, all the pleasures you could ever possibly imagine, endless health, opportunity, good times, sunshine, you get a lifetime pass to Augusta National, whatever your idea of the perfect life is. But here's the deal. Here's the trade-off. You will never, ever, 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 ever see the face of God. That should chill you to the bone. That should chill you to the bone. The second, that's uh, torture that uh, Sister Faustina talked about, the second is perpetual remorse of conscience. The third, she says, is that one's condition will never change. And again, this is um, something that I was talking about recently on, on the Faith Explained program. A, a Q&A uh, was sent in by a listener. There is no second chance in the afterlife. After death, that's it. That's why it's so important to die in a state of grace. It's such an important grace to, to have. Because if we don't, we're not going to make it. it. Purgatory is not a second chance after death. It's the mudroom of heaven. Everybody in there is going to heaven eventually. But this idea that 
your condition, your condition will never change. You're never getting out. It's very much like the parable Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. The rich man who is in hell, essentially, looks up, sees Father Abraham and Lazarus the beggar in, in paradise. And he says, you know, help me out here. Lazarus, dip your finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in these flames. Father Abraham says, sorry, we, we can't get for even if we wanted to. We wish we could help you, but there, there's a chasm that has been fixed between us and you, and nobody can cross it. It's bigger than the Grand Canyon. It's impassable, and it's also impossible. So one's condition will never change. St. Faustina also says that the fourth torture that constitutes hell is the fire that will penetrate the soul without destroying it. A terrible suffering since it is a purely spiritual fire lit by God's anger. Now, this is, this is really um, this idea that a lot, of, a lot of the, no matter what the imagery that's used to describe hell might be, the reality is always much worse. It's much worse than you could ever possibly imagine. People argue a lot about, you know, are there physical flames, you know, that sort of thing. Well, First of all, heaven is a real place for real resurrected bodies. There's an element of physicality to it because there is a resurrection at the end of time. And, and there's a double resurrection. Even those who are going to hell will be raised from death. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 5. He talks about this in his parables about the afterlife. The sheep and the goats. There will be a resurrection of all people. So even those who are destined for hell will do so in resurrected bodies maybe monstrosities not like the glorious bodies that the righteous will receive but nonetheless this idea that there is a, an element of the, of the physical here too but again to go back to peter craved he says there's there's a worse thing than physical pain spiritual pain is much worse you get a piece of bad news there's been a great tragedy think about the most tragic events of our time 9 11 uh, you get that phone call about the car accident and people will, they'll punch a wall. They will bang their head against, you know, a wall. They'll, they'll smash something and they will hurt themselves in the process. They'll break their hand, but they're trying to distract themselves from the spiritual pain with physical pain. So it's not the worst thing. It doesn't feel good to break your hand, but what you're trying to distract yourself from is even worse, is even worse. The fifth torture, she says, is continual darkness and a terrible suffocating smell. And despite the darkness, the devils and the souls of the damned see each other and all the evil, both of others and their own. The sixth torture, she says, is the constant company of Satan. The seventh torture is horrible despair, hatred of God, vile words, curses, and blasphemies. These are the tortures, she says, suffered by all the damned together. But that's not the end of the sufferings. Okay. That's not the end of the sufferings? Okay, it does get worse. And she talks about, just, just one more thing I'll mention. She says, quote, There are special tortures designed for particular souls. These are the torments of the senses. Each soul undergoes terrible and indescribable sufferings related to the manner in which it has sinned. End of quote. I remember when I was, when I was doing my grad studies, I did a lot of um, research on apocalyptic literature. Well, the book of Revelation in the New Testament, of course, is an apocalypse. It's apocalypse. It's part of a genre. It's a type of literature, and it, and it uses a lot of symbols and, and codes. And once you get what the symbols mean, it's actually the book's actually pretty easy to understand. And, and that's why we did a whole series on Revelation for the Faith Explained program. And 
I did that really early on after I, I, I came and joined the relevant radio team because I knew how many people were interested in Revelation and they're just it's just a mystery to them, but they're they find it so compelling. But there are there are all these other types of apocalyptic documents are out there. They didn't make it into the Bible, but there are a lot of uh Jewish apocalyptic writings from, you know, around the time of Jesus, the centuries around the time when our Lord uh, was incarnated. And some of them say stuff like this. Now, again, it's not scripture, so you have to, you know, take it maybe with a little bit of a grain of salt. But I, I, I remember reading these accounts of, you know, these visions of the afterlife that people would have where, I don't know, perpetual liars, you know, whose lies destroyed the lives of many people on earth. They, they were kind of hung by their tongues in hell, that sort of thing. Now, again, it's, it's kind of visionary language, but it's interesting that she said that. I mean, I remember I sort of had flashbacks to these things that I'd read um, these ancient apocalypses when, when she said that, but sister Faustina says this, and this is just in closing here. She just said much like the Fatima children. She says, I would have died at the very sight of these tortures. If the omnipotence of God had not supported me. So what's the point of all this? She says, let the sinner know that he will be tortured throughout all eternity in those senses, which he made use of to sin. I am writing this at the command of God so that no soul may find an excuse by saying there is no hell or that nobody's ever been there and no one can say what it is like, how terribly souls suffer there. Consequently, I pray even more fervently for the conversion of sinners. I incessantly plead God's mercy upon them. Oh my Jesus, I would rather be in agony until the end of the world amidst the greatest sufferings than to offend you by the least sin end of quote that's from her diary entry number 741 divine mercy in my soul the diary of saint faustina kowalska and it's her feast day today and you're listening to the kale clark show on relevant radio now that sounds very dark and foreboding and and here's the here's the thing it's either true or it's not either there is an eternal hell or there isn't and if there is we we better make darn sure that we that we do everything in our power to remain in god's grace and so this is where divine mercy really comes in. And, and this is what makes mercy so great because it is God's greatest attribute. It's not his omnipotence. It's not the fact that he's all-powerful. I mean, this is all great stuff. He's all-knowing. He's all-seeing. Um, perfection in every way. But his greatest attribute is that he is merciful. He doesn't have to do this. He didn't have to save sinners. He didn't have to go to the cross. But he did because he loves you, he loves me, and he does not want us to go there. He's, he's doing everything in his power. His own blood is dripping into the sand to prevent you and me from going there. And in this, this famous image, of course, of divine mercy, it was interesting when, when St. Faustina, Jesus told her, have this image painted. And the first time she saw it, she kind of commissioned the guy to do it. And the first time she saw the image, she, she actually wept. She wept and she was, she was, hurt she was disappointed why because it it didn't look like what she saw it was kind of a letdown and, and this is when jesus told her she kind of complained about this to our lord and jesus said she said who will paint you as beautiful as you are lord and this is what jesus said to her maybe locution somehow this message got to her soul and jesus told her it's not in the beauty of the colors nor of the brush that's not where the greatness of the image lies but in my grace my grace the point is you've got to get people connected to my mercy and in that famous image of course with jesus and he's 
he's kind of you know pulling back if you will um his garment to reveal uh these two rays coming out of his heart and of course the two rays denote blood and water we, we talked about this on our Jesus 101 series on the Faith Explained Show. We're talking about Jesus and history. We're talking about his crucifixion, his resurrection. And when he was really crucified, this is a real thing. John, who's an eyewitness to the crucifixion, in his gospel, he says, when the lance of the soldier pierced the heart of Jesus, he said, I saw blood and water come out. I'm not lying. I was there. I'm telling the truth. And he And he did. That was an actual physical thing that happened because... There's a there was sort of a sack of fluid that formed around the heart. It happens when it's under tremendous stress and, and exertion, and pain and suffering, and, uh, physically and probably spiritually as well. And and it was pierced, and what would have looked like water, this fluid comes out, and also blood, blood of course as well. And, and that that actually physically happened, but there's a deep theological meaning as well. And Jesus said to Sister Faustina. She said, these two rays denote blood and water. The pale ray, or the sort of looks like a blue ray, or very often it's painted as a light color. The pale ray stands for the water which makes souls righteous. Now, when, is, when, when are souls made righteous? Of course, in baptism. In baptism. You're listening to the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. So that's when, when souls are made righteous. Initially, the original sin is washed away. The Holy Spirit is infused made children of God. And then the red ray, Jesus said, stands for the blood, which is the life of souls. And it's very true that, that in, in, the, in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, it talks about the life of, of, the, of the, whatever it is, the animal that's being sacrificed, the life is in the blood. And so that's why when they made animal sacrifices in the temple, they had to separate the body and the blood. And that's why in the mass, that's why there's a, a separation of the elements uh, the bread, which when consecrated becomes the body of Christ. And of course, the chalice, wine mixed with a little drop of water, the divinity and the humanity mixed. That becomes the blood of Christ. But but it's the, the entire Christ, no matter what. If you receive just a crumb of the host or a drop from the chalice, it's still the entire Christ. But in terms of the Eucharistic sacrifice, they are separated because of that, for that reason. And, and Jesus said, Blood is the life of souls. And of course, his blood is truly our life. And, and Jesus said, these two rays issued forth from the depths of my tender mercy. When my agonized heart was opened by a lance on the cross, happy is the one who will dwell in their shelter for the just hand of God shall not lay hold of him. And that's from uh, entry number 299 in her diary. So this is the shelter, the, the, the blood, the water flowing from his merciful heart. And that's where we find shelter from the justice of God, which people will experience because they choose it if they reject the mercy of God. So we don't want to do that. And so it's really important that we uh, take heed to the words of St. Faustina on this, her feast day, the apostle of divine mercy. And once again, you can pray that chaplet with Drew and Maggie every day at 3 p.m. Central in video, uh, also on Relevant Radio in audio format as well, or podcast and you can do that every single day. And we should do that as often as we possibly can. And pray for mercy for ourselves, for others, for the world. That's what we're here to do at Relevant Radio is we bring Christ and his mercy to the world through the media. I'll be right back on The Kale Clark Show, 888 If you want to call in, be right back. This is The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. 
Hey, welcome back to the program on this Thursday. And of course, on Thursdays, we always remember in a special way that this was the day of the week on Holy Thursday that Jesus instituted the Eucharist. That's why we had Father Rocky on earlier in the program talking about his Eucharistic encounter videos. We had a fun conversation, really insightful. Always great to listen to Father and as he shares his wisdom with us. If you missed that conversation, check the podcast. Should be up a few minutes after the show. We also talked about St. Faustine and her vision of hell. Kind of a harrowing vision for sure, but uh, it's one that gives us pause and hopefully encourages us, as she does, to turn to God's mercy. It's her feast day today. 888-914-9149. You can call in right now. I've got a couple lines open for you. You can probably get in here today if you call right now. 888-914-9149. It's Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Melvin in Bakersfield, California. Hey, Melvin. Hey, uh, what was your name again? Sorry. Uh, Kale. <laughs> Kale. Hey, Kale. Uh, how, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, man. How are you? I'm good. Just uh, headed to San Francisco. Um, you know, uh, but I actually passed by uh, the car at Diablo Road, so I'm Ooh. really trying to build up the courage for that. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't turn down that road. <laughs> I'll, all right, I'll turn left. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's your question there, Melvin? What's up? So, uh, just how she was, uh, uh, what, can you repeat, uh, the saint's name that, that oh, had a saint, revelation about hell? Sa- yeah, St. Faustina Kowalska. Palestina. Okay, St. Faustina Kowalska. St. Faustina, Okay, yep. so, um, so I, uh, I did get, I did go through, like, uh, I've never been baptized through the Catholic Church, but I did. Okay. Um, you know, my, my, my grandma wanted to, but I, I did end up getting baptized through, uh, the Christian Church, like 20, 2012 or something, oh, okay. um, and then um, I mm-hmm. always felt like there was like, something missing uh, as far as like God and everything. And and mm-hmm. l- long to find out, um, there was a lot of sorrow that I that I didn't acknowledge, um, or that that there was like a wall or a, ba- a veil like uh, built up. And long behold, I, I started going through this torment and depression and. And uh, I ended up like in the hospital, and and I started seeing things, and um, I started seeing things in people, and and I see started noticing people act um, differently and, and in a very evil manner, and I started hearing a lot of things, and and uh, I mean eventually I got diagnosed with uh, schizophrenia and, and bipolar disorder. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you are you. Are you and you've got some help with that? Are you on some? Did you get some medication? Are things better now, Melvin? Yeah. So, so that happened for a while. I didn't go away like right away. I did started taking like uh, mm-hmm. medication by force. Um, uh, I like I, I never felt like it was going to be good for my body. I didn't like the mm-hmm. side effects or anything in that, but I, I was forced to comply. And uh, eventually, uh, I did get. Uh, I did. Uh, you know, like, I, I built up a lot of anger at, like, how uh, the people around me, and I was, like, homeless and stuff, and, I mean, I've been through the through the worst, you wow. could say, in a way, um, but, uh, but eventually, I, I followed, like, a court order and, and did a year of, like, medication just to, like, get my record straight, mm. and, uh, and I finally, like, stopped it. Like, I was like, I don't want any of this anymore. Like, I don't, I, I know I don't need it. And uh, eventually, I, I joined the army. Wow. I met my wife and ha- had a couple babies you. with her. And uh, now, now I'm, I'm going to daily mass and everything. And 
and uh, wow, that's that's uh, great to hear. Consume the Eucharist and everything. Yeah. Okay, so so that's great. So you're so you're back in the Catholic Church now. Yeah, I uh, started going uh, uh, during the army. So I met my oh, godmother over there in Georgia, and uh, and got confirmed. We bent a lot of rules. Uh, <laughs> granted, the, the 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 colonel helped me uh, do that. You know, so yeah, okay. So he, by God's grace and everything. Well, that's that's great to hear, Melvin. I'm really happy to hear that, man. It's it's you know God's brought you out of a, a dark place in, in many ways, and and you mentioned that you were baptized outside of of the Catholic Church uh, by another Christian group, and if that baptism was was valid, of course, you know when you came back into the church, they they would have that would have been taken into account, um, and a valid baptism, of course. And people are surprised when when they're in RCIA programs if they're joining the Catholic Church, they're coming from another Christian. Uh, background of some sort, a, a Protestant denomination or, or free evangelical church, whatever it might be, as long as the bapti- their baptism is with water and in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, it counts. And we, so we sometimes have to do some reaching out and maybe look at the paperwork and just to make sure that it's a valid baptism, but, but if it's valid, uh, it's legit. And so um, you would have been, as you said, confirmed and you're kind of back back in play. And it's great. it's great to hear that. And and I just love the the fact that you you joined the army, you committed to that, the discipline. Lots of great things happened in your life from that point. Met your wife and became a dad. That's just awesome, Melvin. I'm so glad that you called in. And but it was interesting that something you said earlier about when you were in the hospital and you you were obviously dealing with some stuff and you, and you got some medication for that. And and sometimes our problems are spiritual and sometimes they're physical or you know and there's mental illness as well. It's part of the body, of course, uh, the brain being part of the body. Sometimes it's a spiritual problem, and sometimes it's a combination of all kinds of, of things. And I know one of the things that you said uh, uh, to our call screener is that you, you, at that point, when you're in the hospital, you kind of felt like you were in a, a hell-like atmosphere, like a, like a deep pit. And it, it's funny that you said that, because that, that got me thinking about something that, that Jesus said in the Gospel. In, in John chapter 17, is kind of part of his great high priestly prayer um, before he enters into his passion, he's kind of praying to the Father, and he says this. He says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And, and I love that, because when you read John's Gospel, it has what, what scholars call a realized eschatology. What does that mean? That, that's a Wow, that's a $5 term. What does that mean? It essentially means that eternity is now. Eternity starts now. Yeah, there is an afterlife, no question. After death, there is life after death. There, there is a, a real, a spiritual world that is very, very real. There is heaven. There is also hell, as we talked about earlier. And then there's life after life after death. What is that? Well, that's, of course, the resurrection, the new heaven, the new earth, and it just continues on. <laughs> wow. But here's the thing. Eternity starts now. So as Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So if we get to know Christ now in this world through the sacraments, if we have a Eucharistic encounter with Jesus, like Father Rocky was talking about earlier, if we have encounters with Jesus through the sacraments and through Scripture and and through our prayer life and and, in, in dealing with others, the other members of the mystical body of Christ on earth, the church, that we're living it now. We're starting to live eternal life now. So heaven, in a sense, kind of starts now. If we're in that state of grace and we're living with God while we're here on this planet, and for a lot of people, hell starts now too, because if they're living in a way that 
They're separated from God. And they might not even uh, be consciously aware of this. They might, they might poo-poo all this spiritual stuff. They might wave it away with their hands and say, get out of here. But like Sister Faustina said, those, a lot of souls that she saw in this tour of the afterlife who were in hell, they didn't even think there was a hell when they were on earth. But it's like, listen, the law of gravity is real. It's either there or it's not. I can't jump off a building and pretend I'm Superman. No matter how bad I wish it would go away and that I could fly, I'm going to hit the ground. It's, it's going to be a mess. And so there are spiritual realities that, that are in play all the time. And, and this is an important, I really like that aspect of John's gospel that Jesus kind of reminds us it all starts now. So in, in some ways, I don't think there's going to be too many surprises when we, we just kind of continue on with what we're doing. We just pass through death as through a door, as the church teaches. And, and are we in that state of grace? Are we in that state of friendship with Jesus? The mode is going to change of our existence, of course, what we're doing, where we're doing it. But it'll still be us with God or against God. And that's the great drama of life. That's the great choice. Hey, Melvin, thanks so much for that phone call. That was a really, really powerful call. Wow. I, I love that stuff. I love that stuff. So my thanks to Father Rocky Hoffman. Of course, he'll be back on the family rosary across America tonight. As the great Virginia McCaskey says that the owner of the Bears, pray for the Bears, call into the rosary. And, and I'm, I'm going to pick them to win. I had a pretty good result. I had a pretty good result. Oh, we just heard, by the way, just just now, here's someone you can pray for. Pray for the repose of his soul. Bears legend, speaking of the Bears, Dick, Dick Butkus died today at age 80. Oh, may he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. So iconic. Wow. And that's going to add another element to, to the game tonight. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me on the Kale Clark Show. Stay tuned now for Timory. And then, of course, Father will be back for the Rosary. Jim Shaper produced. Patrick Alog took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.